Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Break it down, news of the day, none other than host, commentator, TYT sports contributor, all-star, Sharon Reed. Always fascinating to have her analysis. Top story of the day, an Alabama cop decides to tase a handcuffed man, told him, she was going to do it again and still arrested him. According to the update, that individual, that cop, is now on leave. Here's the video. Right there on the front of the car. Straight street. I don't got, I ain't doing it, bro. I got gun right there. I'm not doing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm saying, what you saying? Oh, yeah, fuck. I'm not. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I'm down, down. Oh, my fuck. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Now, officer, um, since you're big and bad, put up the picture full mass. Many outlets are going to tell you that uh, this officer was engaged in a lawful arrest. They will neglect to mention her name. Because the official report from Reform Alabama did not mention the name, but we have the name. On December 2nd, in Pickens County, Alabama, Reform Police Officer Dana Elmore, based on reporting from Sports Skeeter, detained, cuffed, and tased a young black male identified as 24 year old. Micah Johnson. He was reportedly trying to fix a flat tire on the side of the road when Officer Elmore forcefully took the man into custody for allegedly acting suspicious. Elmore is now on leave, according to AL.com, an Alabama reporting agency. While authorities investigate a weekend arrest captured on video in reform, Alabama showing a handcuffed man being hit with a stun gun. The video begins with a white female officer from the reform police department ordering the black male to stand up after he was handcuffed on the roadway in Pickens County. So then she tells him to lay down in front of the vehicle, which he does, he complies immediately. He puts his face directly into the vehicle on top of it. The vehicle, um, obviously, is seen directly in the video. The officer then holds a stun gun to his back as if he's trying to run away. He's not. She goes through his pockets. She then tells him, stay still. He's not moving. At which point, he says, quote, I ain't doing ish, bro. I got a gun right there telling her that he has a gun. It is constitutional to have a gun. 
especially in Alabama, right? Not if you are a 24-year-old African-American male. There's more. The officer laughs as she retrieves the gun and says, "Oh yeah." She then deploys the stun gun directly into the man's back, telling him to shut up up as he screams. The man begins to cry, repeatedly saying, "Oh my god." The officer then says, "Do you want it again?" As the man continues to cry, Shut your B ass up, she says. That's where the video ended. The video has been shared thousands of times. Now, here's what I'm going to do. Put up the picture of the officer again. That officer needs to be arrested immediately. For violation of oath of office, because I promise you she lied on the police report. For assaulting an individual while in custody. For felony use of a taser. That's to get started. DA, you have work to do. Politically speaking, put up the mayor. Now, the district attorney is investigating this case, received it recently. The mayor, Melody Davis, is pictured here. That is your mayor, her and the reform police chief, Richard Black, not pictured, sent out a joint statement on Monday acknowledging they are aware of the video involving a quote citizen's arrest that took place on Saturday. The department is in the process of turning over all materials related to this arrest, they said, to the Alabama State Bureau of Investigation and has requested a thorough investigation into the circumstances surrounding the arrest. The statement said, police and city officials referred questions about the arrest to the 24th District Judicial Circuit District Attorney Andy Hamlin. Hamlin could release more information today. The Pickens County Jail identifies the man as Johnson. He is being held on a $500,000 bond. The jail website lists charges of obstructing governmental operations, resisting arrests, marijuana possession, drug trafficking, and being a felon in possession of a firearm. Some of his friends and family showed up at the Reform Municipal Building Monday afternoon to protest. This is a developing story. This is a developing story. So according to the narrative, the man was changing attire. The officer said he looked suspicious, decided to engage. If there's no reason to engage, none of this counts in a court of law, okay? This is why it benefits the community to have officers who engage citizens lawfully. So now this has happened. The taxpayers of Reform Alabama will end up footing the bill because regardless of the interaction, it is clear that the man is handcuffed. It is clear that the man is under the authority and is compliant to law enforcement. It is clear that the officer utilized the taser unlawfully. All of these are evident before us, regardless of guilt or innocence, which has to be adjudicated.
inside of a courtroom, not administered by rogue officers like this one. I want to say thank you to the elected official in Alabama who alerted me to this immediately. I appreciate the service that you provide. We will continue to stay on this story and bring you developments as they come. Sharon, thoughts here. I, uh, it's, it's tough to get me to furl my brow, Dr. Ritchie. This one did it, okay? I don't even want to hear about the ABI, Alabama Bureau of Investigations, on this case. Really, it should be the FBI. I really saw an act of domestic terrorism, and I actually oh, yeah. do mean that. I actually do mean that. And I don't know what's taking so long for them to get all the footage out. And give up the name, obviously your crack team got it. You'd have to drop box that to me immediately if I'm the mayor and the chief yeah. better be at my house tonight to discuss That's right. it. That's how ignorant this is. Wow, I don't know why yeah. you'd put someone like that on leave. They should both be in, even though his charges seem trumped up, $500,000 bond, okay. Right. She need to be right up there with him in the yeah. general population. Yeah, and here's the thing, the $500,000 bond is so, Ironic, but indicative of what they were attempting to do. Because you got people who are arrested, incarcerated currently for murder. Uh, they don't have a $500,000 bond, maybe a quarter of a million, $250,000, $300,000. That, that is surety to come back to court uh, is what your bond is for, surety to come back to court. So $500,000, um, a bond that high uh, speaks to the nature, I believe, of what the interaction was about. We will bring you updates as they come naturally. A Donald Trump co-defendant is likely going back to jail, posted bond, kind of, got out, violated terms of the bond agreement. Let me take you to the video first and give you background. Here it is. Can't kill Trump when his entire base is a militia. You can't do it. Negro, your mama's fingerprints are on, on, on it too, look. Okay, I, I just I, I, I want to respect black people and black men. But when you come over here and you act crazy and you talk crazy to me, you're going to be you're, you'll be outdone. Okay, you'll be outdone. Everybody's alive. There's no murder weapon. As a matter of fact, there's a woman sitting somewhere who knows this whole thing is a lie. Who knows? I never did anything to her. who knows? I never who knows she begged me for help. There's a woman sitting somewhere who knows that I'm going to her whole life up when this is done. Put up the picture full mass. This was courtesy of the Fulton County Sheriff's Office, Sheriff Patrick Labot. Now, she says she's going to F somebody's life up. She made very specific, descriptive proclamations to allude to who she's talking about. That makes the threat actually a threat. Keep that picture up, hell of a background. This is a Trump co-defendant, by the way. Travion Cuddy, a co-defendant in the Georgia election fraud case against former President Donald Trump, could see her $75,000 bond revoked after prosecutors allege she potentially threatened a high profile witness on social media. Cuddy, who is the former publicist for Kanye West, was indicted by Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis 
in August alongside 18 co-defendants, including Donald Trump. Under Georgia's RICO Act for allegedly interfering with the 2020 election. Following the RICO indictment, she and the other co-defendants were quickly released on bond. We all remember. But no more than three months later, the lobbyist from Nebraska is in hot water again, this time for comments she made in recent days on Instagram Live, which may have violated her bond agreement in court papers for County prosecutors claim she intended the message as a threat against Freeman. Suggesting that Cuddy could be holding a grudge over the serious federal charges she faces. There's more on the video. Cuddy sought to dismiss the threat claims against her, suggesting that police were already aware of a video recording of a conversation she had with Freeman. However, it was unclear if Cuddy was referring to police body camera footage taken in Atlanta, January 2021, that was now central to the fraud case against her. Legal experts who have been closely monitoring the criminal case said her comments could hurt her chances to remain free before the 2024 trial. While some even felt she could face a superseding indictment, meaning additional indictment, additional charges due to the bold remarks. So basically, what the experts are saying is that this is more than a simple bond revocation issue. This is likely an additional charge and bond revocation because the threat seemed to be direct. There's more. Um, she stirred up controversy, put this up. Um, if you remember, this happened in October when she proclaimed on Instagram that she was prepared to serve as Trump's White House press secretary if he wins a second term. Quote, I look forward to redeeming black women in politics by becoming press secretary to the 47th president of the United States. There's another one. Inflammatory post galore. Black people don't read. Okay. Let's be real. Most black people simply refuse to self educate, have become totally opposed to research, trying to get black people to read anything besides Facebook memes and celebrity gossip, would take the use of a gun in most cases, and it goes on and on. Right? There's more. She's also posted offensive content online targeting black officials like VP Harris, Attorney General Letitia James, and others. So basically, anyone who is a political enemy of Donald Trump, she adopts as her enemy as well. See how it works? Okay. All right. Uh, hell of a thing. So, bottom line is this judges give gag orders, Trump violates them. Fonnie Willis grants bond provision, as with anyone else, they violate them. You got to put your money where your mouth at. These individuals are going to continue to push the envelope. And until you actually enforce the trust that people, citizens gave you as an elected official, this will continue. And every time they do this and get away with it, it only strengthens their position with their base. So either put up or shut up. You gotta lock their asses up just like you would anyone else.
This is how you prove that these individuals are not above any law whatsoever, period. All right, share thoughts here. Yeah, my grandmother used to say writing checks, your ass can't cash. I think it was, mm-hmm. remember that yep. one, Dr. Richie. And how dare, stop insulting everyone as if we don't read. I stay on TikTok and learn a lot, thank That's you. Right. Okay, right. I learned a lot. I never thought I'd say this, but there's at least two more qualified applicants. Should he get back in the White House to be the press secretary? Where's Omarosa and Candace Owens before <laughs> this? She's unwell. Yeah. She's she's very unwell, Dr. Richie. She said, don't come talking crazy to her because she'll make sure they're outdone. Well, I agree with that. I do agree with that. Yeah. So, you know. She has an invitation to come defend herself in the bullpen anytime. All right, after her bond is revoked and settled. Hell of a thing. Once again, another innocent black male incarcerated for decades, exonerated. All right, put up the picture for a mask. In New York, Mr. Jabart Walker spent 25 years in prison for a crime he never committed. He was cleared of wrongdoing last week. Walker was sentenced to 50 years, 50 years to life. After being accused in the mid 1990s of killing William Santana Guzman and Ishmael De La Cruz, but he never did. I'm going to give you the background of this case and show you the extreme criminal elements involved in framing this man for double homicide. In May 1995, victims Guzman and De La Cruz were fatally shot by a perp who was sitting in a double parked vehicle in Manhattan on 148th Street. That's according to the organization. It was a drug related hit and an eyewitness told law enforcement that the suspect fled to a nearby building. The case went cold, but was reopened two years later following cooperation from a witness identified as Vanessa Vigo. While investigating a separate case, NYPD detectives asked Vanessa if she had any intelligence on the 1995 double homicide. And she blamed Walker for the crime per the Innocence Project. The next day, she wrote out a statement claiming that Walker fired two shots at the victim and was known to use the moniker Snoop or Black, which was a smoking gun because they received tips that the shooter used the nickname Black. Um, okay, yeah. Obviously, an uncommon nickname. There's more. The reinvestigation into the case revealed that Walker was not known by that nickname and that the informant was inconsistent with her testimony and that she had misidentified people in a separate shooting case. Also, according to the organization Innocence Project, the prosecution gave her money for her apartment for her testimony against Walker. Now, why is that part important for the Innocence Project to know? When the question is posed 
Ma'am, have you been promised anything by the state or given anything today for your testimony? No, I have not. Perjury. That is a lie. And the prosecution was supposed to volunteer this information through discovery. They did not. There's more. In a handwritten statement, Walker mentioned his alibi the night of the shooting, telling police he was in Queens at the time of the incident and returned to that particular area with his friend the following day when he learned what happened. So he was there the day after, not there the day of. The police did not confirm Walker's whereabouts with the witness who backed his explanation. According to the Innocence Project, Walker never mentioned going by the black, but a detective, and that's the nickname, but a detective wrote that he did in his written statement that was false. The reinvestigation revealed that another witness to the shooting, Mr. Carlos Young, told law enforcement that Walker was not behind the incident and that he saw another person carry out the crime. Another unidentified person dubbed Mr. Santiago did not identify him as the shooter and wasn't called as a witness during the trial. This is called the fix. Ladies and gentlemen, it is illegal. They are now actively framing an innocent man and they are well aware. There's more. Despite this, Walker was accused of a murder for hire plot with Daylight Cruz as the target while Guzman was an innocent bystander who got caught up in the crossfire per the Innocence Project. John Mobley, who testified against Walker at the trial, admitted that he himself was strong armed into blaming Walker as the assailant due to the pressure from law enforcement while he was in jail. He also was concerned that they, as dirty as they are, would pin a crime on him too, if he did not cooperate. During this time, the organization noted officers from the NYPD 30th precinct were notorious for corruption. Walker was offered a plea agreement, but turned it down to go to trial. He told the judge, quote, I did not commit this crime, Yonner. And that's why I came here to trial, because I'm 100% innocent. I did not kill those people, end quote. Put up the man who helped secure his freedom. See, this is why leadership matters. That is your district attorney, Alvin Braggs. And you may not agree with everything DA Braggs has done. But it is because he decided to listen to the Innocence Project, reopen the investigation. An innocent man has been freed. After decades of being in prison, the Manhattan, New York DA, through the Innocence Project collaboration, freedom. Bragg said in a statement, not only was the case against Jamar Walker built on unreliable and recanted testimony. He did not have the benefit of an effective defense attorney. One of the constitutional bedrocks of our criminal justice system. <clears throat> Bragg said in a statement, that's per ABC News, despite these serious 
issues, Mr. Walker received a sentence that could have kept him in prison for his entire life. I am thrilled he can now finally return home and thank the Innocence Project for his steadfast advocacy throughout this matter. I want to say thank you to the Innocence Project as well. They do great work. If you are in position to contribute to them, please do. I want to highlight a couple of realities. Number one, do you think we are able to catch all of the frameworks and the misappropriated prosecutions that have happened to people in this country? Of course not. So for the ones we do catch, believe me, it's probably 100 behind that one, if not more, that we did not. How many people you believe? took the deal, they took the plea agreement. Because the plea agreement was so much more attractive than the 50 years they would spend behind bars knowing good and damn well these people were going to railroad them. So they say, yes, I'm guilty, give me the five years or give me the 10 years. I'm just just going to say I did it to get out of jail. But what about the fact that having a proper defense is so required in this nation that it is constitutionally mandated. You having a defense is constitutionally mandated. That is to secure your rights. The individuals who are involved should all be arrested. They should all be indicted. We were able to report about a month and a half ago of prosecutors finally getting indicted for doing things like this to innocent people. That needs to be the norm. And not the exception. All right, Sharon, thoughts here. Yeah, I, you know, you you're the legal mind in this conversation, Doc. But I was actually wondering as you were giving these horrific details if prosecutorial immunity is absolute. I know the Supreme Court took it up and at one point said yes. It was tested again, and I don't know where that is because. The details you describe are absolutely criminal conduct. A frame up is a crime. And I don't see any way around that here. It's no one believed that they were doing justice if they had to resort to that, including, as you mentioned, perjury. So, yeah. wow. Thank goodness for the Innocence Project. Can you imagine if we didn't even have that? Yeah. Um, and you're right about the prosecutorial uh, immunity. Dynamic and the Supreme Court routinely has upheld it. So typically, the way it works now, if it is within the scope of their profession and they can make a case that they had good, reliable information that this was the truth, they get to escape without having any criminal penalty. But it is not supposed to cover actual criminal behavior. That is clear in the ruling. It is not supposed to cover actual criminal behavior of a prosecutor. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. You don't belong in this development. Yeah, okay. What's your name? I'm not telling telling you. you. I live here. Okay, where do you live? Why would we tell you any of this? Where do you live? I'm not telling you. Where do you live? I'm not telling you. Okay, not a problem. I'm going to call the gate and have you all arrested. You're okay. You do not deserve to be in here. Okay. okay. What did we even do wrong? Seriously? I have to wait for that five minutes while they're turning around the road. No. We're oh, we're turning around for you. We're backing up for you. Moving for you. And you say you're going to hit a four wheeler? You have a problem because I have a four wheeler. 
Thank you. Thank you. It is because you're driving illegally. Oh, okay, driving. but you're coming at 15-year-olds. Singer, hit us with the uh, car. Because you're 15 years old, you could marry in Mississippi or Alabama. This is so not Mississippi or Alabama. Car? This is Florida. It's Florida. Okay. Sure. So you're going to hit us with the car. Don't stick your hand out. Did you threaten a child? I did yes. not threaten I have it on video. I have it on video. No, I did not. Yes, you did. We have it on Go inside. I love their reaction, the response. Hate the situation happened, but allow this to be a blueprint in case this happens in the future. Put up the picture of the individual who believes a 15 year old is just the right age to marry. Obviously, the person, the male Karen identified in this take was egregious against children, engaging in childish and aggressive behavior. To the teenage girls who had to be the adults in this situation, you all did a remarkable job. He's a stranger, you don't tell a stranger where you live. He's a stranger, you do not give a stranger details about who you are because they demand it. Well done. And when you saw that your efforts did not de-escalate, you proceeded to say, I can go and get my grandfather, which is an adult, because an adult should handle the adult. All right, once again, we provide this as a blueprint, a PSA, an opportunity for correction and reflection for the male Karen in this situation. Uh, Sharon, this was insane, but obviously male Karens, well, they do the most sometimes. In flip flops too, is what yeah. were those flip flops again? They're very dangerous, but they that's their preference to show up at the scene of the crime and wearing flip flops. I right. don't for the life of me understand it, Doc. And I was wondering if I wonder if this male Karen has any skills, if he's handy at all. Because I have a whole <laughs> list of things that too much time on his hands. I have a list of things that need to be done. And yeah. if he just wants to walk the neighborhood and harass children. I have some other things that perhaps he could be better suited for, maybe. Yeah, well, uh, he was about to get that action yeah. when the adult came out. They changed his story quickly. Okay, um, that's something for you. Double dose. You want to call the police on him for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. My handicap placard. I'm a disabled veteran. You need to move. Okay, so am I. Okay, well, I'm saving the spot for my husband. Yeah. I got all day. Cool. I will too. 
All right, let's put it up. I will explain to you what's happening, okay? So she has decided to park her human body in a handicapped parking spot, claiming she has the right to do so because her husband is a disabled veteran and assures the person he's on the way. The person recording is actually in a car and has the handicap. Placard is a disabled veteran and is attempting to park the care. And if you look at the impressions, look at this, all right? So one impression is saying, I am entitled, okay? The second one is saying, what else do you want me to do here? Um, here's the reality, Karen. Your husband may, in fact, be a disabled veteran. The man who's trying to park a disabled veteran. But, madam, you are not. And you don't have a vehicle. So, why is there an argument here at all? All right. Um, we have seen this before. There is something about the psychological dynamic known as Karenicity and parking spots. How many times have we seen Karens engage in criminal activity or extreme activity over a parking spot they do not own? All right, Sharon, thoughts here. You're right. I was thinking about the same thing. It's as if they're they're getting paid to do this work. You know, like right. the people they collect cans, and you do get a certain amount of money per can. And so perhaps as they go around parking spot by parking spot, trying to upend actually handicapped people, disabled veteran in this case. Yeah. Perhaps she is auditioning for something, but it's it's stunning to me that you don't see yourself, lady. Yeah. Nah. Well, once again, this is a great opportunity for correction and reflection, the PSA that we offer to people across this country and beyond. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Cop fatally shoots an unarmed black man trapped in a car. I'm going to show you the video and give you the background. Here it is. Get your hands up! Get your Get your hands up! Hey, clear, clear! Get your hands up! Get your hands up! Three fifteen shots fired. Put up the picture full of mass. They killed him. That officer. In Cobb County, Georgia, killed an unarmed black male inside of the vehicle. Now, you may not have been able to make out the details, but he was literally pinned inside of his car with the airbag fully inflated. The attorneys for the family of 28-year-old Devontae Brown, who's on the left, 
a black motorist fatally shot by Cobb County, Georgia officer Ian McConnell released the body cam footage of the incident that occurred two years ago. We finally have the footage. The, the footage shows the moment Brown was fatally shot multiple times in August 2021 after he was pulled over for driving erratically in Marietta. In the video, Brown's damaged vehicle is surrounded by police patrol cars at the scene. And it appears that his airbags were deployed. Get your hands up, McConnell repeated, get your effing hands up. Brown is still inside of the car at this time. Moments later, Brown pressed on the gas and the cops shot into the vehicle 12 times. Civil rights attorney Harry Daniels argued in a statement on Thursday that the officer was not under immediate threat when the officer opened fire. Why is that statement important from attorney Daniels? That statement is important because in order for a cop to kill you, you have to pose immediate imminent threat against the officer or someone else readily visible to that officer. Neither applied here at all, not even close. There's more. The officer then reported that shots were fired, requested first responders uh, responders to the scene. About midway through the video, law enforcement officials approached Brown's car. The GBI previously said he was transferred to a local hospital where he was pronounced dead. Devante obviously got himself in a situation where he was being chased by police. Daniels told WSB TV, absolutely deadly force was not warranted in this case. I mean, he was trapped. He couldn't get away. He was blocked in. There's no getting away and using deadly force in that situation. It was completely uncalled for. And in my opinion, it was unlawful, end quote, from Harry Daniels. The Cobb County Police Department responded to the video and released a statement saying that the officer was not charged. Quote, first and foremost, our thoughts are with, our thoughts are with everyone affected by this tragic event, including the family of Devontae Brown and all involved officers. The statement said, per the outlet, the loss of life is always a somber matter. And we approach this situation with the utmost seriousness and sensitivity. It continued, following the incident, an independent investigation was requested by Cobb police and conducted by the GBI. The findings of this investigation were turned over to the Cobb County DA's office and the case was heard by the grand jury. The grand jury concluded that there were no grounds for charges against the officer involved. Now, I can't tell you what was said to the grand jury or how the case was presented. Because grand juries are top secret. I can also tell you that typically, we have seen this in Georgia justice, Those grand jury proceedings, because of their secret nature, many times those prosecutors will wink and nod to let the grand jury know exactly how he or she would like the grand jury to decide. Uh, Regardless of what the grand jury has said, 
clearly the two elements that are required based on precedent were not present in this situation. The cop was not in imminent danger, nor was someone directly visible to the officer. All right, Sharon, thoughts here. Yeah, I remember covering Ferguson and being on the front lines there and Officer Darren Wilson. Remember they had him up on a grand jury. And I remember the career prosecutor, it was really Michael Brown who was on Mm -hmm. trial. It was, you know, because he, some marijuana, something like that, and a little strong arm, something at a convenience store. This is a game. And despite what our eyes see, Dr. Ritchie, we're supposed to believe this twisted pretzel of an explanation. And the other thing that offended me greatly, this man is dead. I've had an airbag go off, and I don't know if I even know which way I'm moving. It, my face got messed up and everything. For them to put out a statement about this tragic incident and how seriously they take it and all those affected and name the officers, you can go on and leave that out of my loved one's statement. That shows you how much they care or don't. Yeah, Uh, and listen, you make a great point. When you're in a situation like that, airbag has been deployed, right? We don't know if he had what we call lead foot, where basically he's in an accident, and his foot just dropped down, kind of locked into the gas pedal. You know why we don't know? Because he's dead. There's no explanation. Here's what we do know. We do know that he was not creating a threat for the officer. And we do know that no one was in front of him for a threat to be noticed by the officer. We know that as a fact. All right, we will update as the story develops. A black police officer is now suing for discrimination. It is a hell of a story. Put up the picture for a mask. I'm taking you to California. Officer Tyson Crutchfield is suing the Pasadena Department after she claims she experienced retaliation and discrimination while on the job. Her father spoke on her behalf at a press conference saying, Crutchfield, Wanted to be an officer, quote, to bridge that gap that exists all over America between police departments and inner city communities. The lawsuit filed by Crutchfield outlined an encounter that happened after the January fatal shooting of Mr. Charles Towns involving deputies from the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. A month later, police reported to a call regarding Town's two children. I need you to follow the story. Town's two children, one of whom was upset over their father's recent death at the hands of law enforcement. According to the reports, one of the colleagues allegedly put one of the son's face near a cactus-like plant. A woman at the scene said to the police, his father just got killed last week, please stop. Okay, body camera footage released by the department in June shows Officer Crutchfield shoving the officer, gently actually, going back and forth 
with one of the people at the scene. She's trying to de-escalate something she was trained to do. There's more. Crutchfield's attorney said this, Officer Crutchfield fortunately followed statewide police training and intervened to de-escalate the situation. Officer Crutchfield deserved a commendation for her swift and heroic action, avoiding needless violence. A press release from Crutchfield's attorney said, the outlet reported instead, she was relieved of duty and punished. Our lawsuit is about righting the wrong that Officer Crutchfield has suffered from. Put up a picture again. Many times we see these lawsuits from officers who will say, yes, racism exists, yes, discrimination exists. And they will cite dynamics associated with their administrative job function. This is a little different. We have a black woman who decided to actively stop another officer in the line of duty from engaging in misconduct against a young citizen. I am sure this is not the first time Officer Crutchfield has engaged in such a manner. Maybe this is the most high profile case. Maybe it is because somebody caught it on camera and it was exposed. But she was following the law. She was following her training. And this is why I say often policy means nothing when the culture is adverse to it. Because culture eats policy alive every day of the week. This woman followed policy, but culture got her fired. There's more. The sergeant instructed Crutchfield to go back to the station. And she was placed on paid administrative leave. Understand, she was placed on paid administrative leave. As if she had just shot an unarmed black person, okay? Paid administrative leave without an explanation. However, Officer Crutchfield, who has both a bachelor's and a master's in criminology, was able to return to her position. The filing also reportedly highlights an alleged racist culture inside the department, including those who use racial slurs or were still given promotion. Let me give you the statement from the city of Pasadena. In a statement to KKTV, the city of Pasadena opposed Crutchfield's claims, claiming it would be vindicated. The city will vigorously defend itself in this matter, and the facts will prevail. The statement said the Pasadena Police Department proudly serves uh, the residents and with honor and integrity, et cetera, et cetera. Proud of our diversity. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Put up the chief and the mayor. Uh, Eugene Harris, Victor Gordo. Um, Sad state of affairs, right? So you mean to tell me that we can have police officers that engage in conduct becoming, becoming of of an officer. To stop conduct unbecoming of an officer. And the officer who does the right thing, they get penalized. But the officer that did the wrong thing, they are celebrated and promoted. Once again, you can't keep talking reform 
you have to talk replacement. Some of these apples are rotten to the core and they have to go. All right, Sharon, we're gonna follow this case. I'm glad it is public. I'm glad there is a lawsuit. Hopefully we get some people um, to testify one way or the other. Your thoughts? Maybe they'll have to be compelled, but yeah, it needs to be public. It has to be public. Otherwise, Dr. Ritchie, you know, it's one of two things. Either there is corruption and discrimination in the police department, or we as black people can't do anything right. We're no good at right. anything. Right. We can't do anything <laughs> right. Every where you look, we're messing up. Mm. That's a hell of a point, right? So yeah. uh, the woman does what we believe to be, oh, that's the right thing to do, right? All politicians will say, no, 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 no. You have a duty to intervene. You have a mandate to report. Um, you have to protect citizens when an officer is out of control. So that's your policy. That's your proclamation. And then when an officer does it, the city backs everybody but you. Hmm. Insane. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. A lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments, and we appreciate everyone. All right. Um, code SM-96. You can't murder people who aren't threatening you in that moment. That's right. That's right. It's it's actually not a complicated rule. It's one of the most um, common sense rules in law. Were they threatening you? Um, the officer can't even argue. Oh, I just felt in danger. I just felt as if. My life was in danger. Can't even say that. It's insane. Um, yep, Gene Rafis. Jen Rafis. No charges. The cop emptied his clip into a car that wasn't threatening him in any way. Yep, did. Donald James X is bold. It's a bold stance going up against a whole department, but I think she can win this. She absolutely will win this. And let's be 100. She's already a winner. She's a winner because she did the right thing. She's a winner because she did the right thing, period. She can sleep at night, look herself in the mirror, and be okay. All right? And, man. Mm. Yeah, Amber is the color of my dragon, says he spent his last moments absolutely terrified. Yep, very sad. Um, we have an update to a FedEx story, if you remember. The FedEx employee who two white males, a father-son duo, tried to murder, tried to kill. He runs for his life. He's in the truck trying to get away, right? They're trying to kill him. FedEx, they decide to put the young man back on the same route. He said, hell no. They just tried to murder me. Um, let's put it up for a mask. There's a $5 million suit against FedEx after men shot at him. D. Montario Gibson is the black former FedEx driver from Mississippi who had two white males shoot into his work van. Two shot into his work van. They also pursued him in a high speed chase. This was last year, we covered it on Indisputable. He's now filed a new lawsuit. 
against the men and his former employer, FedEx. As the Associated Press reports, this is the second civil suit filed on behalf of Gibson. It seeks at least $5 million while Gibson was not wounded during the encounter that took place in 2022. FedEx made him return to work on the same route. And that caused him to have depression, stress, anxiety, loss of sleep, and emotional pain and suffering, according to the lawsuit. FedEx spokesperson Austin Kimker said in the statement Wednesday to the AP, quote, our top priority is always the safety and well-being of our employees. FedEx denies the allegations and will vigorously defend the lawsuit. The case's alleged conduct is deplorable. U.S. District Judge Jordan wrote, but Gibson fails to state a viable claim against FedEx for which the court would have original jurisdiction. Let me explain that statement. Keep that statement up, okay? Because I've looked at the chatter on social media about this. The judge did not kick it out for it being a frivolous lawsuit. As a matter of fact, the judge gave them a week and a nod. And let me explain. The U.S. District Judge Daniel Jordan said, the alleged conduct is deplorable, all right? Who is he talking about? He's talking about FedEx. He's talking about FedEx. Why? Because that's the crux of the lawsuit. And he's citing that the attorneys for Mr. Gibson filed a claim in which the court did not have original jurisdiction, which means the attorneys effed up. Okay, that's what it means. They filed in the wrong court for the claim they were seeking. And they have to refile. So now this is your refiling proper. That's what happened. Um, Brandon and Case, excuse me, Brandon Case and Gregory Case, father, son, are charged with attempted first degree murder. Now, if you remember, and we'll keep their pictures up. If you remember when this first happened, they were not charged with attempted murder. We had indisputable call for those charges to be upgraded. And many in the community agreed those charges were upgraded to attempted first degree murder, conspiracy, and shooting into Gibson's vehicle. Prosecutors say they intend to set a new date for a criminal trial after judge declared a mistrial this summer. Uh, and, the, and once again, the irony of it, the judge declared the mistrial um, because the detectives had messed up. And if the judge would have allowed it to continue, it definitely would have been grounds for an appeal. Um, so I read the court docket back then when it happened. I agree with the judge declaring a mistrial so that there could be a clean conviction. Uh, but court records show that has not been done yet. The two men remain out on bond. Uh, and that part is unfortunate. In August, State Circuit Judge David Strong cited police errors as he declared a mistrial, police or detectives, um, as he decla declared a mistrial in the criminal case of the father and son after days of jury selection and testimony. A detective testified about failing to give prosecutors and defense attorneys a copy of a videotaped police interview with Gibson. Days after the mistrial, FedEx fired Gibson. Because he did not accept a part-time non-carrier job, carrier job at the company. Uh, they offered it to him, Moore said. Gibson said 
he had been in therapy and on workers compensation leave about at about one third of his pay since shortly after the attack. So recap of the incident, Gibson was making FedEx deliveries in a van with the Hertz rental car company logo on three sides. This was um, this was allowable under the rules of FedEx, so he was not in any compliance violation. After Gibson left a package at a home on a dead end public road, Gregory Case used a pickup truck to try to block the van, and Brandon Case came outside with a gun. District Attorney D. Bates said, "Now, what does that sound like? This sounds like how uh, they killed Ahmad Aubrey down in Deep South Georgia, father-son duo trying to box the person in, basically kidnap." All right, uh, and then execute the murder um, as Gibson drove the van around. All right, he drove the van around the pickup truck. He's trying to get away. Shouts were fired. They're trying to kill him immediately with three rounds hitting the van, and bullets also hit packages on the inside. Um, he gets away. He gets away. He lives. It is clear what happened. FedEx says, hey, Mr. Gibson, hey, buddy, so glad you're alive. All right, so here's the thing, here's the game plan. Tomorrow, you're going to go back on the same route. I want to ask you a question. Do you believe, let's say, if a white female was in that same situation in a black community, that two black men just tried to murder her? She goes back to FedEx. It is well documented what happened, police report. Has been done, investigation has been launched, bullets are inside of the van. Do you think FedEx says, hey, you know, way to go. Glad you're alive. We're gonna put you back on that same route tomorrow. Hell no. They would not even think of it. All right, we'll follow this case continually. I'm sharing thoughts here. Well, maybe you're being a little harsh, Doc. I mean, you know, FedEx says they care about the safety of all their. <laughs> They're drivers, that's what they said. And, you know, another similarity, no charges at first, remember? With yep. Ahmaud Arbery and something about a tape not being turned over. This whole thing is pathetic and crazy. And you're right, the white woman would also have been given a commendation, her full salary. And maybe they would have put her on some type of thing where she just went around speaking to affiliates in UPS store or something. Oh, that's the competition. This is horrendous and horrific. It's just one more way of indicating that, hey, black man, you're not worth it. Yeah, I mean, this was one of those opportunities where they could have embraced this young man. They could have done right, would have received a ton of earned media from people like myself and others. They could have made themselves the example of what to do when an employee faces harsh, extreme violence like this, likely obviously racially motivated, but they didn't. And so now they're getting the backlash, the negative because of their own reaction to it. Security guard, security guard risk his own life to save someone who set themselves on fire. Put up a picture for a mask. This is one of those very bitter, but also sweet stories of human compassion, okay? In Georgia, Michael Harris, he's a security personnel stationed at a facility near the Israeli consulate building 
in Atlanta, he's recuperating from second and third degree burns incurred while attempting to rescue a protester who intentionally set herself on fire. Family members assert that Michael Harris, an army veteran, bravely risked his life to rescue a woman draped in a Palestinian flag. This happened Friday, December 1st, around 12.45 PM. He was told that she was going to douse herself in gasoline and set herself aflame in protest against the Israel-Hamas war. He attempted to talk her out of it to no avail. The woman lit herself up and became engulfed in flames. What a hell of a sight, right? He's trying to talk to her. She does the unthinkable right in front of him. He was also fully engulfed in fire and proceeded to roll on the ground to put himself out. EMS had to cut him out of his clothing. The family wrote in a GoFundMe appeal, Atlanta Fire Chief Rod Smith said the guard sustained burns on his wrist. Statement from the brother of Mr. Harris, quote, my brother is an army veteran as far as helping people. We were raised that way to help somebody. So him doing, that is not surprising for people who know him. Douglas Harris, the guard's brother said, according to WSB TV, he also gave an update on his condition, saying he was doing well under the circumstances and recovering at Great Memorial Hospital. Quote, I was down there early today to see him. He's in pretty good spirits. He's just trying to wrap this whole thing around his head on what happened, said Douglas Harris. Harris's wife, um, Tanj Harris, started a GoFundMe to help the family pay for the expenses associated with his medical bills. If you would like to contribute, go to the GoFundMe. It is a very worthy cause for an individual who did what he could do to save someone else. Um, we need more stories like this, obviously. Unfortunately, it provided um, harm to him, but he will survive. And I believe that in his character, in his nature, he knows inside he did the absolute right thing and the best he could do in the circumstance. And once again, no matter what happens, you are a winner in my book. Share your thoughts. Yeah, I hate that he's hurt and uh, yeah. I, I hope we can all give something, um, but it's proof too. Um, I've grown cynical as many have in this thing we call life and so many things that you cover so eloquently, Dr. Ritchie, um, that show the ways that we are hurting in society. This gentleman is proof that there's still a lot of good out there. Yeah. A lot of good out there. So that makes me happy. Yeah. One of those opportunities where, well, I got to talk about a professor, okay, who utilized racist language, in my opinion. I'll put up the pictures full mass here. I'm going to give you the background. A Penn Law professor says people of color are jealous of Westerners, despite her growing reputation for sparking racial and racist controversies by suggesting the superiority 
of the white culture, University of Pennsylvania law professor Amy Wax on the left has found an unexpected advocate in Charlie Cheon. On the right, a third year law student who wrote a letter to the school, to school administrators late last month expressing support for his teacher who faces losing her tenure position due to racist viewpoints that sparked protest on the campus in recent weeks. So Atlanta Black Star notes, it remains uncertain, however, if the student, Chian, is aware of the controversial statements, including the assertion that the United States would be better off with fewer Asians, end quote. And her remarks that blacks and Asians are resentful of Western people's outsized achievements, end quote. For now, Professor Wax, who has taught at Penn State since 2001, remains on the university staff despite growing calls for her to resign due to racist comments and writings that have stirred anger among students and a wide range of cultural and social justice advocates during her long tenure. Previously, the National Black Law Students Association, which I'm a member of personally, the National Asian Pacific American Law Student Association, and the North American South Asian Law Students Association, released a letter in April 2022 calling for Professor Wax to be ousted from the campus and barred from talking to students after she made openly racist remarks in and outside a lecture hall. Did you hear that? In and outside a lecture hall. At the time, Penn Law School had already faced multiple years of blowback due to the professor's remarks. They've been dealing with her racism. The school also disciplined Professor Wax, but has also taken more than 20 months to review a litany of claims against this one professor while she continues her offensive rants inside of the classroom. Previously, a group of student leaders called for Professor Wax to be suspended until her grade books from the past 21 years could be reviewed, but school officials never responded to the demand. Now, why is that part important? Because they want to see patterns of systemic bias. Because the individual has clearly demonstrated in her commentary and proclamations based upon their opinion that she is in fact biased against people of color. There's more. In the latest episode, in the latest episode, the university said it had initiated a legal process to fire Professor Wax. What? For alleged the uh, disparaging statement she's made during her time at Penn. Which recently prompted the professor to launch a legal defense fund that faces accusations of promoting itself as a tax deductible charity, potentially violating federal tax laws. Wax's most recent firestorm occurred when she twice invited white supremacists. Remember this fellow? Jared Taylor, we had him on the show. He talked about how superior his IQ was. Remember that guy? When I asked him what was his IQ, he said he didn't know. Do you remember that? 
Your entire platform is about how white people have an IQ higher than anyone else. And you don't know your own IQ. That is called privilege. I mean, damn. So she invited this clown to come speak to the class about conservative legal thought. Adding to the broader uproar over her teaching methods and sparking massive campus protests and complaints to academic administrators. All right. Now, despite concerns that Wax is attempting to whitewash America's history of racism, there's one student, Mr. Chion, who decided, um, you know, he wasn't on board with the backlash, filed a complaint with Penn administrators. Okay. In late November, Chion invited his 136,000 member YouTube page to, quote, read my letter to the dean of my law school regarding an incident that happened today. With the woke mob, I really cannot stand them, end quote. But here's the thing, she's so racist, there are people who are not part of any progressive movement who are saying she has to go. Uh, This is too extreme, okay? Uh, There's more. Um, The student says in the letter posted on this channel. Now remember, I would not read this if it had not been for the fact that he decided to make this public. I write to you to express my sincerest displeasure with regards to the way some students are handling the invitation of a guest by Professor Wax. I was quite incensed to see flyers posted all across the school smearing Professor Wax's character. In my opinion, this along with the fact that some of her students in the conservative legal thoughts class were harassed, booed, and hissed at. Shows an effort to intimidate, indicating a lack of respect for civil discourse. I'll put up his picture again. Sir, the man that she invited, if he would have said that Asians are inherently dumb compared to white intellect, would you agree that he should be a fitting member to guest lecture at a major university? Do you know that Professor Wax said that this nation would be better off without blacks and Asians? Paraphrasing, but that was the sentiment. The letter raises specific concerns regarding how some students were reacting to the controversy involving Professor Wax, with the students citing major discord in Wax's classes, including the distribution of racist propaganda and an overall atmosphere of harassment during class time. The student said in the statement, also attempts to outline the troublesome aspects of wax of the wax situation that was disrupting student life as the fall semester neared the Christmas break. In the letter, the student also expresses concerns about the principles of free speech and complains that conservative students might feel restricted from expressing genuine viewpoints in such a politically charged environment where people wear their emotions on their sleeves. He also calls on college leaders to communicate to protesters that dissenting views are not valid and inherently harmful to violent or, or violent, excuse me. He also casts doubt on the self-righteous mindset of some protesters and urges the administration to consider this perspective in their decision to deal with Professor Wax. The letter then makes an awkward attempt to support the protesters right to free speech and peaceful protests. Quote, to be clear, understand that there are principles of free speech at play here, the student says. 
Students have the right to protest events which are not to their liking. I am not suggesting that the administration suppress their ability to share their viewpoints, end quote. Uh, I will say this in a very simple, direct way. The professor is there to educate. The professor is there to educate everybody. Those biases, those notions that somehow one particular race is inferior to the other, which these statements have been made on record, should have led to the firing of any professor long ago. The fact that the University of Pennsylvania has decided to allow this to go on for so long is the part that's baffling to me. But now that we are aware, we are on top of it. All right, sharing thoughts. Penn's Ivy League, I, I don't understand yeah. what, what the issue is here. I have a lot of friends who went to Penn. And for Mr. Chion, I believe is maybe the pronunciation to say, it seemed like he was saying he feels threatened and harassment and this and that by these other opinions. Really, they're just pointing out the professor is racist or espousing racism. I think is is quite rich, okay? We don't want another January 6th type nonsense on our hands here. It seems like people are saying, be gone with you and your nonsense, okay? You said educate, this is about inciting. Yeah, it really is. And the students, who, by the way, to the students, you all are the lifeblood of any institution. That's don't right. let them take that away from you, all right? You are the reason the business known as education continues to move forward. You are the enterprise, not them. All right, Sharon, always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you and check out your great work. Pleasure's mine, Doc. I appreciate you always and had fun filling in for you. I'm not sure what the comments oh, we are. We loved it. No, no, Who everybody loved said. it, including oh, me. Tell on me. Uh, <laughs> I am Sharon Reed. Real Sharon Reed is the program on In the Black. Also, TYT uh, Sports. I hope you will check out my latest installment. Awesome. Always a pleasure. All right. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Mm-hmm.